Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. This is Shorsha Dunbar. For various reasons, we've been off the last few weeks. Uh, we've Different things have come up. Um, but uh, we're back now with another interview. But a uh, huge thank you to Laura for uploading her interview with the developers of the Carol Reed games that she did originally on her Twitch. Um, really, really good interview. And I can say that because I didn't do the interview. But people should really check it out if you get the time. And also consider checking out the games. Uh, there are 17 games in that series. And they're still going strong, and uh, I'm really interested in checking them out as well. So you can check that out in our previous interview, uh, Laura's interview with the developers of Carol Reed. Now for this episode, I was joined by none other than Tony Warner. Tony Warner is one of the co-founders of Revolution, one of the lead developers of the Broken Sword series and Beneath Steel Sky. And um, it's his second time on the podcast. Uh, this time he is writing a book. Um, all about how he started uh, getting involved in game development, how he co-founded the company, Revolution Software, and he takes us behind the scenes to what it's like making the games and uh, running the company. And so he gives a little insight into that in this interview, and uh, he really didn't hold back on some of the publishers, one or two publishers who they worked with, uh, in the past, and uh, he gave some insights of it behind the scenes of the Kickstarter, for example, with Broken Sword 5, and other things as well. He also talks about why he was not involved in the development of Beyond the Steel Sky, and um, intriguingly, what uh, the future may hold for Tony um, as well. So really, really interesting insights as well. I'll also include links to where you can find out more about his book. And he's also making a game, not an adventure game, but it's a game that uh, people might uh, find interesting nonetheless. So um, now also just wanted to mention that Tony Warner's wife is from Ukraine. Now we don't mention, we don't usually mention things like this. We don't usually uh, talk about politics or world events, but as I'm sure probably everybody knows at this stage, uh, Russia had a horrific invasion of Ukraine, which is still ongoing, and many people are being killed and displaced. And um, Tony very kindly agreed to talk to me toward the end uh, from his perspective and Ukrainian's perspective uh, about what Ukraine is like, a little bit about their culture, and a little bit about the conflict as well. Um, as I said, we don't usually talk about these things, but I just felt that we just can't stay silent um as well but um but yeah so there will also be links in the show notes to some charities that people can check on how to help people in ukraine uh if uh, you so wish and also a list of some game developers from ukraine uh who we can help out and uh, contact as well if people wish uh so um yeah so uh without further ado here is my interview with tony warriner please enjoy i am delighted to be joined for the second time by the co-founder of Revolution Software and game developer and writer, Tony Warriner. Uh, so Tony Warner, 
course, you worked on Broken Sword and Benito Steel Sky and uh, other games as well. Um, particularly those those game series which are classics and which are still really really popular today. Uh, so, hello, Tony. How are you? Hello, hello. Uh, I'm very well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. No worries. It's great to have you back. Uh, we spoke uh, a couple of years ago now, I believe it was the beginning of COVID. And, uh, was, was it really so long ago? Yeah, it was, I believe it was, it was 2020, around uh, March wow. 2020 or so. Um, I mean, everything's okay. blur since then. Yeah, um, this is true. It's, yeah. It was, uh, we were celebrating the, was it the 25th or the 13th anniversary of uh, Broken Sword? I think it was the 13th year of uh, Revolution at the time right yeah 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 because yeah. because we had 25th of revolution of yes Sword quite recently was, was that last year could have been i think it was um last year at a few months ago um so we can celebrate that as yeah, well yeah. we can, <laughs> can celebrate the tw- 25 years of uh since broken sword was released and uh it's it's still just you know still really popular today that you as we talked yeah. about before recording um, well, mm. well, first of all, how, how, how do you feel that, um, uh, you know, Broken Sword is still really, really popular? It's still one of the most popular adventure games, you know, that just about everybody knows about it. Uh, I, I mean, it's amazing, really. Uh, and completely uh, surprising. I mean... But we still, and it came out and people played it and bought it and, and, you know, it had a few months and it would be, you, you know, you, you, the, the games would be sold in the shops, they'd be on the shelves and, it, you know, that there was a very, there was a quite narrow window of opportunity for these games and, and they'd go out, you know, and, and you'd see them on the shelves and they'd be in the charts for a bit and then, if you're lucky, and then, uh, you know, they'd drop out and that would be the end of it. It would just, it would just sort of fizzle away. And maybe like after a year, someone would say, oh, let's put it on a budget like run for a bit and 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 that, and that would kind of be it you know so uh, uh you know there was no notion at all that that these things would live on and, and still be around in years time i mean if for a start we would have written it technically we would have written it differently if we'd known that as well because you know you know the, the thing was done on a tiny little screen tiny little resolution <laughs> it, it never expected it to go beyond the pc you know uh, of the PC of the day, which was quite a limited machine, so so no, I mean it's 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 a, it's a complete surprise to everyone. Yeah, I mean it's still Broken Sword one and two in particular still look beautiful. Um, it mm. is you know like an like like a movie, you know, like with the animations and everything that I I think that still uh, to this day that you look at it, you know, you don't just go this is a great game for 1996, but you go this is this is a great looking game even today. I think obviously. You know, graphics have changed and have been modernized, but but yeah, the the games still look fantastic, particularly the first two. Uh, um, I would say, um, mm. but uh, but yeah, no, we're. Um, I, I mean, there was a lot of classical design involved with Broken Sword, so you know, you know, as as you'll know, the backgrounds were Don Bluth guys up, up in Ireland, mm. and uh, you know they. They they did it in a in a, a timeless classical way and, and and that that quality shows through I guess so I mean although the you know the pixels are dated because they're 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 low res and all the rest of it but that 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 deeper quality behind it all still exists you know and and the same goes with the music which was which mm. was obviously Barrington did an amazing job and that's the sort of stuff that that doesn't date you know 
uh, and then I mean the game itself was 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 pretty good and the scripts and the, the voice acting you know it's one of the things where everything came together and and, and fused together and and the was a you know it was greater than some of its parts so I mean I guess that's why it, because there was no real flaws that that's that's why it's it's kind of lived on I suppose no absolutely um you know as you mentioned everything include the voice acting in particular uh Rolf Saxon and just about everybody in the game as well that and I mentioned this to Charles when I spoke to him that the combination of humor and um and seriousness yeah. Uh, worked really, really yeah. well. <laughs> that you know, yeah, you're yeah. Laugh, laughing one minute, but it wasn't. And I wouldn't say it's a comedy, but it is. I think just a reaction. Like it's not like Monkey Island that it's slapstick, from what I remember. But just the interactions I remember with George Stobart, and I think that his character also really helped. That he's again very kind of more easygoing, and that he wants to find out, but um, but he's mm. also very likable. Um, I think yeah, that yeah. is. Um, yeah. When we first when we first talked to when we first talked to Revolution, I mean, we all met up in Wales, at Charles's uh, mother's place, up in, up in deepest, darkest Wales, and uh, Charles, Charles was uh, Activision at the time, uh, and uh, he, he you know he was he was looking at and, and involved with the Sierra games because they were distributed by Activision UK, so we we looked at a bunch of active of uh, Sierra games, and I think one of them was King's Quest, and the other one would be. Um, uh, legislative larry and we kind of liked them but we thought the humor was just too forced you know it was just it was just too much it was like a a comedy film an american comedy film you know, where it was just like mm. this is funny this is funny laugh laugh you know, it was it was it was too forced and we we wanted to step back from that and and have it so you know there was kind of a serious story and a serious uh, you know the, the situation was serious but then the 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 bits of humor were sort of sprinkled in and came from the situation rather than you know the here and now situation rather than the the, the larger picture of, of what was going on so and uh, that was that was that was a conscious decision to do it that way and then the the very the very good you know the humor itself was very well written by mostly by the guy uh, a very dark sense of humor but you know a lot, a lot of you know that that's that's obviously a big part of broken sword as well and and steel sky too which he which he mm. worked on as, as well yeah de definitely he um and i think what charles mentioned before as well is that the um they, they make you make the main character is kind of like the the normal person and then all the characters or the other characters around him were kind of larger than life, you know, like Sergeant Moo mm. and uh, mm. these other characters. And uh, so we can still relate with the main character. And, you know, I remember just at the very beginning of Broken Sword when um, just uh, when the Sergeant Moo pointed a gun at George Sobart and then George Sobart says, don't shoot. I'm innocent. I'm American. And then Sergeant Moo goes, can't pick up your mind. Huh? And just things like that, that you know, all it's the way through. It's still a great line, isn't it? still a great line. <laughs> and the game was, was, was full of lines like that. Uh, but then it yeah, got, yeah. you know, a serious story because I, I was fascinated by the Knights Templar, which that was also before nearly every time, a lot of thing, uh, stories involved the Knights Templar before the Da Vinci Code, uh, we should say as well. Um, yes. Absolutely. But, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, so now you are here as well to talk about because you are writing a book, I believe, about um, is it well your experiences as a game developer from the you're playing games from nineteen eighties through to the founder of uh, Revolution and how you made the games. Uh, so, well, first of all, I will ask you um, what the name of the book and what's what's the book about. Uh, the name of the book is probably the, <laughs> from 8-bit to revolution probably because it might change okay it, it, i spent ages <laughs> trying to think of that i spent ages trying to think I mean, it's really hard it's actually it's just hard to think of a title for a book because it is to write the damn thing but at the moment it's from 8-bit to revolution um how we and then it's a subtitle of how we made the games um it might change and and the, the years are 1985 to something like 2015 or something, just because that's a nice round round number. I actually talk a bit <laughs> further than that, but because um, because my story at Revolution goes goes on for for a bit longer than that. But I quite like this. The, the 20 years looks quite good on the cover, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> but it's, yeah. I mean, 1985 though is a long time ago, so uh, it, it's quite a quite a job trawling my memory for to to dig dig things out from that far back. Yeah, well, f- fair play to you for remembering, because uh, I find it hard to, f- to remember sometimes even like five weeks ago or five days ago. Well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I I, I was kind of kind of in, in a, a false sense of how easy it was going to be, actually, because my memory of the 80s uh, uh, and certainly 85 onwards when I left school and started working in, in games, I actually remember that stuff pretty vividly some of it i can i can you know it's because because it was quite an interesting time you know leaving school getting a job learning to program and all these new things happening i mean it's it's all there big things are still there and i can trawl them out and write them down it's quite easy and i thought i kind of thought oh well you know this is no problem at all this is this is 30 odd years ago and it's it's no problem to remember it but then you get into like (laughs) Then you, then you, then you, then you kind of go in 2006. What happened? Uh, <laughs> 2006. Uh, I've no idea. <laughs> so, so it got harder. It got harder in the middle, actually. Uh, you know, something like Broken Sword Three. You know, what what happened when we were writing that? That's that's quite. That's that's a bit more difficult. Uh, and then, and then later, you know, Broken Sword Five is, is, is I mean, it's actually twenty twelve, that twenty eleven. I started programming on that, so that's actually ten years wow. ago. Which, which it's, supposedly it's that's, shocking. yeah, it is shocking. <laughs> supposedly that one's that's that was going to be the easiest thing because it was because it's very recent, and it probably was fairly easy. But you know, it it was like it was like ninety six or something you know that kind of level of difficulty but it's the middle bit that was harder um but it's interesting how how different people remember different things you know it, 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 i've obviously talked to everybody that that, that, that will talk to me uh and, and trawled their memories and, and initially you know you say oh, well can you remember you now i go to dave sykes who's one of the founders and i'll say you remember what happened in 90 uh, you know 1990 when we set set the company up and it was in 1990 if you say if you ask them what happened in 1990 they, they, they'll go um did we do steel sky uh, i don't know 1990 <laughs> when was that uh, but, if, but if you if you put in if you put in the hard so i did the hard work and and, and worked out key events that, that actually happened in those years and i'll say do you remember dave that time we had we went and worked in wales and you know and i I broke your coffee machine and he'll go yeah i absolutely do remember that and, and then say something about it you know 
that you can if you find the key in people's memories then then you can unlo unlock all sorts of things and once you do that you'll find out things that you, that you yourself didn't know you know so people remember things but not mm. they, people remember things but you have to you have to find out how to get those memories from them you know but also different people as well as remembering different things some people remember more than others obviously you know Charles, Charles is quite good he if you can remember if you can get the key with Charles he, he actually remembers a lot um Dave Sykes he's I mean he's a brainy guy he's very clever but his memory's terrible you know, he's, he's <laughs> he's actually one of the worst for remembering things so uh, Stevens Stevens is quite good again if, if you give him the key you can unlock all sorts of interesting information so Steve was very useful it's 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 interesting how you mentioned that to kind of uh, unlock a specific event and then it all goes from there because um, yeah uh, it's it's because just uh, myself and I was in Berlin just as I told you uh, just last week now time of recording um, I was just when we were coming back I was asking my partner I said can you remember what we ate on the first day where do we go for food. And then she was trying to think, oh, um, I'm actually not sure where was. And then yeah. when we remember this, oh, then we could unlock again. We remember the whole day. And that was only just a few days ago. So I can't imagine back to 1985 and 1990. Um, did, did, you, yeah. did, did you ever cover, because I know with memories, memories are strange things because some people can uh, remember, you know, the same kind of things differently in a way. Did, did things ever conflict in any way when you're speaking to say Dave Sykes and Steve Ince, did they remember some things differently uh, to you or anything? Did that happen? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes had different different people in the wrong eras, you know, this, this sort of thing. <laughs> I'd be saying, I'd be thinking that someone worked on a particular game and, th and they didn't at all. When I went to talk to them, say I, I maybe would go to, to, to someone who was a programmer at Revolution at, at one point. And people came, you know, over, over that length of time, Time. people come in people are there five years sometimes more you know so I, I you know i would find someone and i'd say do you, i think you worked on this project and, and you know do you remember this day you know when this thing happened and because i think you were working on that and they'll say they'll say no i was i was five years later than that you know <laughs> i wasn't even there <laughs> why are you asking me you know i was still at school you know <laughs> so uh <laughs> Uh, I, you you got to get there, you, you, and then I'll go. Okay, I'll, I'll 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 put you further on the timeline and come back to you. Sorry about that. <laughs> so so I'm curious then. Um, well, how did you come up with this idea to write this book? Was it something that you wanted to do kind of for a long time, or did it just come to you then, just to keep the memories together in one book? Um, uh, my wife was actually bugging me to write something. She. Uh, <laughs> And I was kind of, I don't think, you know, I wasn't sure anyone would be interested in it. And, uh, and I also wanted to talk about how, how I think games should be written, which is, which is kind of a bit, a, a bit off from what other people are doing, you know, so, and I, and I didn't think uh, anyone would listen to me, you know, um, and I, I ought to do something new and good before I could actually start preaching about how people should write games, you know. So I was kind of putting it off because I didn't, I didn't think it was, it was worthy enough of me to, to, try and write something down you know and she was saying you should do it you should do it uh, and, and then i you know it, it, it's things like talking to you and, and you're asking me lots of questions about broken sword and, and and people are interested in that uh so that that was actually part of it you know i think when i talked to you i was that 
I was quite inspired by uh, you know, the fact that you had a lot of knowledge and uh, and and your your listeners were were genuinely interested in what I had to say. So that that was another little spark of uh, inspiration. And, and I do another podcast with um, my friend James, and you know we talk about the some of the retro stuff as well. And people are people are interested in that partly because it's, it's actually quite a long time ago, some of it, and people weren't actually born. You know. I mean, we, we when we started writing games, there was no internet. Um, mm. We didn't have hard drives. We didn't, we didn't have a network in the office. You know, uh, we used to we used to throw floppy disks across the place with, with <laughs> labels on what what the, what the files were. You know, um, I mean, it was a totally different world, um, and, and people either don't know about it or they, or they or, or it's long forgotten. You know, so it just seemed like it was worth writing it down, and and in the process of writing it down, maybe trying to um, pull some wisdom from it you know when you when we're talking very specifically about broken swords so you know people are people are interested in the process of it of how it was made and 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 what you asked me before you know why why is it good you know maybe if i, I thought maybe if i <laughs> talk about and remember how we wrote it and from from that process you know why did it turn out so good because at the time you know we thought it was we thought it was okay but we didn't really think it would be a classic or anything like that so you know what did we do that 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 the end result was a classic game you know if 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 it's worth going back and thinking about that and, and see if there's anything to learn you know yeah well well first not of just, all I'm... not just for me sorry oh no not, sorry not just for me but for, for other people yeah yeah i mean i i can learn maybe i can learn something from it if i remember what we did uh, and then if i talk about it if you know I'm also thinking about people writing games now. You know, maybe they'll get some, uh, some, 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 some knowledge and some inspiration from from what I what I come up with. I'm I'm sure they will. Well, first of all, I'm delighted that all I took from that is that I inspired you. That I was the only one to <laughs> inspire you. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. Though, but... <laughs> even even though I can't remember what year it was uh, that we did it. Um, yeah, that was actually quite. I, I I do remember that interview, and it was it was it was quite quite a big thing in my head. So so I mean, honestly, I'm not making it up. Uh, it, it was a big it was a big uh, it was a big moment for me to 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 see how interested you were in, in asking me all these questions, you know. But interesting, since then I've done a lot more of that kind of thing, and, and it's all kind of snowballed mm. from there, you know. Yeah, well, no, I'm I don't very know why it's honored. I don't, um, I don't know why of the last you know two three years there's, there's been an upsurge in how interested people are in in all this kind of retro era stuff i guess it's because it's further away you know yeah i suppose maybe i mean the adventure games are kind of there's a there is certainly a lot of nostalgia about them um mm. you know especially with lucas arts and sierra and a bit with you know broken sword as well but then i would say Broken Sword and, you know, Beneath the Steel Sky, they are really good games that you can still enjoy them now as you would have back in the 1990s. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I, I imagine that a lot of people would be very interested uh, in your book to hear your thoughts as well um, and what it was like working on these games and for Revolution. And it seems like there are a few people. There was uh, Ken Williams, who a couple of years ago released his book about mm. Sierra which was pretty mm. good. And then Sean Mills released a book, which was also in interviews with uh, people at Sierra. Um, mm. So I think there would be a lot of people uh, who would be interested. Um, I hope so. I don't really know, but I, 
I, I hope so. Yeah. And and so so then it's you know you're hoping to help people as well. And again, I'm sure it will because um, you know whatever all the ingredients that made Broken Sword and Benito Steel Sky and your other games so good, it's uh, from what I've I've interviewed many adventure game developers, and one thing they've gathered is it's not easy making an adventure game or any game for that matter. And there have been no. people who have tried to imitate, uh, you know, well, Monkey Island and Sierra Games and Broken Sword. And you find, okay, well, it's not, it's not the same. Some are good. Some are very good, but it's not, it's not easy. It's very, very difficult to recapture uh, that, that moment. Um, mm. So uh, fr- from what you, you remember, is there anything at all that you might say to people who are making games who, you know, any piece of advice? Because I think nowadays there are, there are a lot of indie adventure game developers out there. Um, so is there any is there anything at all that you would say to them to that they should cont- I know I'm putting on the spot here. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, wh- one of the things I'm thinking uh, r- recently is you know be 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 quite modest in what your initial uh, aims are with a game because the thing about games is that that, that you go let's write this game and I can I can you know I can describe it and it's going to be quite quite simple and and they they tend to grow to be bigger than they should be and then you're in big trouble especially with adventure games because they're so they're so asset intensive you know there's so much graphics so much um audio needed and the scripting to tie it all together and the logic and you know it if if you knew how much work it was going to be you'd you'd never start you know um you know like one location in broken side sword is is weeks of work uh, weeks into into two three months probably and if you actually if you actually knew that when you started you wouldn't you wouldn't try and do so much you know because you because it's going to kill you before you finished you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot there was a lot of resource in broken sword one i mean it looks like a simple thing but there was there was there was 40 people by the end of it it was two years of work and it was it was a couple of million quid you know so there, w- there was a lot thrown at broken sword and, and, and that's i mean you see that when you play it to some degree but but you know you, you could you could probably sit down and say well i've got a few mates and um you know we see what we see how that game goes and we, we can you know we know we can draw a sprite like that and we know we can draw write a line of dialogue like that so we'll make this huge game well i, I would say aim very small you know aim aim to write a game with five locations and, and uh, call it call it a mini game and, and and just and just put it out there as something to to establish a world and and the chances are it'll end up as 10 locations and, and it will still have been incredibly difficult to do but at least it was only 10 locations at the end that you that you spent three months on each one if if it had been if it had started as 40 locations then then you know it would be 80 by the end and it would if you would never finish it or it would be terribly thin. And the thing about Broken Sword is it's not a thin game. You know, you, you click things and things get things happen. You 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 examine something and you'll get a different reply. You know, you try and combine any items and you'll you'll get a different answer from George. Uh, so if you try if you try and do a game with that much content, you, if you spread that across the eighty locations, whatever Broken Sword is, and it. it it will take a lot of doing. It will take decades, you know. So, mm. aim very small. Is uh, aim small with the uh, the scope of the game, and and also, you know, uh, something else I've noticed that people are, you know, people are using things like Unity these days, and uh, you can get a lot of. There's a lot of little 
twinkly baubles of middleware and plugins that will do things for you to make your life easier. And, and stay clear of all those things because they'll the shortcuts will make things harder in, in other ways. So just keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, I think that's and the core quality, you know. So keep the scope, keep the scope small and, and then make everything you do do really, really great. And you'll have a better thing than something that's too big and, and too thin, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think definitely. I think that one mistake that people might make is that they're, they're maybe too ambitious at the beginning. They want to make this huge game, but then they never finish or they run out of resources or... Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you mentioned that Broken Sword, you threw millions at it. I'm guessing that most people don't have millions. So I think it's better a short, more contained story and then just expand it um, if if you can, if possible. Or, um, But yeah, yeah th I think that's some pretty good advice. Um, and so then you, um, and I mentioned you spoke to different people at the Revolu uh, Revolution uh are you able to say who you spoke to who collaborated with you in the book so is this book was uh first of all is, is this written with the collaboration of revolution or is this mainly just written by you and are you able to say who was a who you were able to speak with for the uh, book it's it's i mean it's very much my book written written by myself reaching out to different people who who would talk to me um you know some people I, I don't know where they are some people aren't even alive anymore you know sadly people like very important people like dave cummins are, are, mm. are no longer around so you, i couldn't i couldn't talk to him and he would have been very interesting to talk to um obviously dave sykes is around and uh i, I can talk to him a lot uh i've i've got six hours i think of interviews recorded with charles and, and norin who are the main the main two at revolution now obviously obviously always the main two at revolution <laughs> um, and it's their company um more than it ever was mine so um they they very kindly gave me a lot of time uh, and and uh, and i think they got a lot from it as well because i i'd done all my research at book i came up with a lot of unanswered questions you know things i didn't know the answer to so that's uh, you know i sat down with charles and norin in a, in a in a restaurant in york and i and i put the iphone on on record um and i said right do you remember this uh, uh, and what happened with that and they and they were like oh wow we completely forgotten about that stuff and, and then they would remember give me a really great answer and i'd go great great and then i'd be on to the next thing and they go oh yeah yeah i remember that now um so so i think for them it looked like it was going to be quite a, a boring and tedious thing and i think it i think they actually found it quite interesting so i hope so anyway but uh you know they'd forgotten in you know, they they'd forgotten a lot of things and and I'd, I'd done this research to put the timeline together which which no one else has ever done and it's it's actually very over the course of 20 odd years it's it's quite a complicated timeline as well there's a lot of a lot of projects that people don't know about a lot of projects that didn't come to anything interactions from from different companies all sorts going on so um you know to actually put all that down and and get the facts right was was quite a big job and i and i certainly couldn't have got it as accurate without um charles and lauren uh, again steve ince was was a big part of it he's been he's been super great and then and then various people that, that worked on different games um 
some of whom I still know, mostly through Facebook. So, you know, I've just messaged people saying, you know, sometimes I've not spoken to someone for 10 years and then they'll get a message from me saying, hey, do you remember that day when we couldn't get the game to boot up? You know? <laughs> They're like, why are you asking me that now, you know? But uh, I also, I mean, I, I found that I, I, I've, always, I've always kept a diary of what I've done. It's like the, it's like the reverse of a to-do list. Everything, every time I do something, I write, I, I write it down, I note it down. And I have those going back to like, 2007 something like that uh and i have i have emails going back to i think 2008 when i switched to gmail so uh, another thing i like to do is go back 15 years in gmail find find an interesting conversation that was going on in, in the company and then just reply to it <laughs> and people are going what the hell is this it's like it's 15 years ago <laughs> I find it quite funny. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been read so. And, uh, but often, you get, often they'll go, they'll go. Oh yeah, I remember this, and give you an answer. You know, so it's quite it's quite fun and quite uh, quite it's quite a good way of finding things out. You know. Yeah, no, that's I suppose looking back to to Gmail and a conversation, but it's uh, but I think it, it's fascinating to have a timeline of revolution because. Uh, that's had a, I mean, there could be even a game or um, a film about <laughs> revolution from what I know, uh, you know, from the outside, that the founding and then uh, revolution also went through a period back when adventure games, quote unquote, died, that I believe revolution mm. nearly went out of business, but you have, you thankfully stayed mm. in business. And uh, so, uh, so do you go into, into that as well? Do you, so you, it's a kind of like a roller coaster. Um, do, do you go into yeah, that? That, to be honest, is most of it. Um, okay. Because, because, I mean, I was a programmer. I mean, I was I, I was involved in the design of the early games, especially Lure and Beneath uh, Steel Sky. I mean, Steel Sky was the main one that, for me, as a design as a design uh, contributor, because myself and Dave Cummins went to Wales, you know, and Charles Centre's there. And said, I said, for God's sake, go and write a game design because we can't, we can't figure out what we're going to do next. So myself and Dave went off, and uh, I've actually got the the first handwritten draft of the design for Beneath the Steel Sky. Wow! Um, so you know, I, I can talk about that in, in quite some some depth, and, and there'll be that will be scanned and in, in the um, in the book as well. It's actually quite interesting to see where it, what what survived into the final game and what didn't. Um, but um, you know, I, I talk about design where I know about it and, and what uh, particular things from the game. But the, the main the main thing that I that or, or one of the main themes in the book is you know what the, what we did in what order and what was happening to us because we were con I mean one of the one of the themes of the book really I realized as I was writing it is the way we were buffeted about by corporate mm. you know, shenanigans coming coming at us this way and that. You know, all we all we wanted to do, me and Charles, was write great games, but always because of the costs involved and and you know the costs of having employees and, and just generally running a company, uh, and the the sort of very aggressive trading uh, environment that any any games company as a developer has to has to put up with, you know, and we we never really wanted to be business people. We just wanted to write games. So you you find you, it's like. The waters are full of sharks, you know, and, and there was always stuff coming at us from this way and that. And we always got away with it. Something always came along and saved us. Just when we thought everything was over, 
something would save us, you know, and we'd get to live another day and we'd do another project. At the end of that project, you would look really bad and something would come along. You know, someone from the past who liked us would come along and, and we'd get to write another game, you know. And then it would get really bad and we'd, we'd almost go out of business and we'd be right back to me and Charles and Noreen and Dave. And, and then it would, a new platform would come out and someone would ring us up and say, hey, can you do this? And, and we'd go, yeah, yeah, we're back, we're back alive again, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of this and it's, it's like we're being kicked from this direction and punched from that direction and we always get up and write another game, you know. Because what else is there to do? You know, we, we just want to write. We just want to write games, you know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I, I I think I know what you mean. That um believe Charles mentioned as well with Broken Sword 3, because I remember at the time that I read that it was a flop. It didn't make any money. It didn't sell well. But then I believe it was him who said, actually, it did make a lot of money, but the publishers kind of mm. kept it, kept most of it. That was yeah, uh, yeah. kind of. Yeah, well, it Broken Sword 3, even Charles always uses that as the, as the purest example of, of how developers get screwed over, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was a very good example of um, uh, uh, how, how we didn't make any money and, and we ended up owing them money, you know. And, Which is and, crazy. And, and, yeah, uh, but also what was interesting was they, they, would, they would always talk to us with an air of kind of resentment as if we were stealing from them, you know. Uh, you, you, you developers, they hated us really really because we we had this magic um, ability to make games and they were kind of they were kind of jealous the people running these publishing companies and they took it out on on developers you know they they we had what they wanted but they they hated us for it uh, and that was part of the problem i think yeah that, that was, makes sense no absolutely they, they, Je- jealousy it that it wasn't like oh, we, yeah yeah it wasn't like we we love you guys you make us some great games it was it was always it's such immense aggression in, in the form of contracts, you know, it, it was incredible. It's, and especially in a THQ who, who I can say what I like about because they're not around anymore. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the legal stuff coming from them. The, 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 those contracts, it was astonishing what was in them. And you, you know, we, we'd get this hundred page contract and we'd sit and go through it, take bits out of it, send, you know, yellow through it and all the rest, send it back and saying, this is not acceptable. And they'd go, okay, okay. And two weeks later, you'd still be going through this process. And what would happen was that the stuff from like a week ago or, or 10 days ago or whatever that had been taken out of the contract was coming back in it again. They were, so they were, they, were, they were taking the, they were, you know, we were working on a particular part of it. And at the same time, they were shoveling back the things that had been taken out like two weeks ago. And they were just trying to grind you down. And the idea was, that, you know, a developer, if you could run them to the point where they run out of money, then they'd sign anything because developers just want to write games. And, you, and as a publisher, you can exploit that, you know, you can run them, you can run them into the wall and then they'll, they'll, they'll do it. They'll say anything to stay in business and write another game. And that was, that was the game that was being played, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's astonishing because um, I mean, you guys are the ones who are making the game. It's uh, people want to play the game that mm. you guys are making. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it makes sense that it's jealousy that, you know, they want, take maybe attention mm. away from you guys or that maybe they can't make games like this so they just have to uh you know i, I don't mm. know sh- just just shove it down your throat like this is you know what we want to do but it's like no no you're not the creative types you have you do your own job let mm. us focus on on doing this but i've heard mm. you know with, with writers in general you know especially in hollywood and i've heard some stories about uh, authors and their publishers as well how publishers would screw them over as well so 
it's um mm. it's it's just seeming to keep occurring and occurring but um and then even with mm. uh, Ken Williams book how as experienced as he was and then he got screwed over when he sold Sierra and um you know it's it's uh, different as well mm. um but I mean I think it shows kind of your but you know your tenacity as well and you're kind of you know with yourself and Charles how first of all the games that you made were ended up still being really good despite all the challenges from the publishers and mm. then uh how well revolution are still in business and are you still making games um is there is there anything that you would say that uh maybe really helped revolution still stay in business and still um continue to make games Well, I mean, what Revolution had was 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 you know we we were quite good at making this and 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 still Revolution still is quite good at making uh, uh, games that people like you know um, we always put more into them than we should you know we always overspent we all we always mm. um, went went further than we should and and made the games too big and put too much content in and nearly nearly bankrupted ourselves in the process but you know we did we did love making the games. Uh, and of course, you know, you, you play the games and you, you see that and you feel that. So, I mean, what Revolution had going for it was was a fan base, you know, a community. They, they call it a community these days, you know, and, uh, and that's the most valuable thing you have, really. Uh, I mean, that's that wasn't the case back in the day because you, you were several layers behind it. You know, you, you the developer had a relationship with the publisher and the publisher distributed the games and the games were went to the shops and people that you didn't know would go to the shops to buy the games and maybe a few of them would write you a letter saying oh, I, I bought your game broken sword and really liked it but not many you know not many people picked up a pen and paper and wrote you a letter saying your game's great you know uh, and obviously it's completely different now uh, you know you, you you talk to your fans on on discord or or, or uh, wherever and twitch and all the rest of it and it, it's it's here's you here's the fans you know and uh, and it's different now but that's the most important thing you've got as a developer is, is a relationship with the the people that play your games you know uh, and, and that's why the game industry now i think is is not a bad place to be because because of that you know mm, yeah no, nowadays uh you guys uh, have as you mentioned twitch and social media and kickstarter as well uh mm. that broken sword 5 went with uh kickstarter uh mm. do, do you remember about uh, now looking back with broken sword 5 uh because i believe you were in well, you mentioned that you programmed the game back in 2011 um do, do you remember when you and charles or and whoever made decisions there decided to go with kickstarter um was it maybe after tim schaefer's uh a successful kickstarter or was there yeah i mean the the, the i actually found all this stuff out of course again um and, and I can't remember the details now because it was it was it was actually quite a complicated process, uh, and the Kickstarter we really inched towards it because there was there were some other models of crowdfunding that, were, that people were talking about and other ways of doing it, and, and we we had we had a thing with good old games where they they were maybe going to put some money in and maybe we were going to do some kind of pre-order thing with the with the fans as well, um, and it kind of evolved very very slowly. Uh, and I and I think the big, the big change did come with the with the double fine thing. Certainly, um, yeah, it definitely did, uh, and that that did change everything. So I mean, I think after that, we 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 kind of realised that was the way to go, but we were really worried that um, 
we we would get caught up in a backlash from the double fine thing and i think i think if i'm right the timing was that that the first part of of the of the broken broken age it's just a strange name really i, <laughs> I think it's really, i think it's really weird that they call it broken age but it got split into two parts yes. didn't it um, yeah as we have to do and i think the first part was meant to come out in like october something like october the following october um 2012 it would be um i think or 13 i should read my own book then I <laughs> um, but, but we the worry the worry was that um that that when broken age missed its initial release date which it was gonna do obviously uh, there would be a massive backlash so we we actually ended up racing across the summer to do our kickstarter so that our when when our when the broken sword 5 kickstarter finished it was a few days before the first part of broken age was meant to come out and we realized that if we if we overlapped and went over there they're missing their release date that we might you know that that really valuable last two days on a kickstarter that would that would get completely wiped out by the backlash against double fine so we were absolutely racing across the summer to get the whole thing through before the before double fine didn't deliver on the day they said they were going to Wow, I had no idea. And they really didn't. I mean, they missed it. They missed it by a hell of a long way. So, so we we anticipated that one quite well. Yeah, no, talk, talk about forward planning. Uh, you know, not not just thinking mm. about yourselves, but about another company. Um, and yet, it's pretty remarkable because they had so much money being put into them that they made records at the time, and still they missed their, mm. um, you know, deadline for I'm sure various reasons. Um, I believe yeah. it was uh, Bro Broken Sword 5. Uh, that was also split into two as well, I, I remember. Um, are you able to, to say, was, what, yeah. uh, are you able to talk about the reasons uh, why that was? And if you do you think that worked out well for you guys, that decision? Or would you uh, do that? Well, I think the story of Broken Sword 5 is of a game that grew too big, certainly. I mean, it was probably... I mean, it was a good-sized game when it came out, and everyone got got great value for money because it was so big. Uh, probably it was too big by thirty percent. I would have thought if I had to say, if I had to come up with it myself. I mean, I, I would have ideally it would have been a lot smaller, uh, and we would have we would have not had to split it because the split, it, although although because it wasn't planned to be a split from the beginning, the actual split was inefficient. So, you know, there was a certain amount of energy had to go into the split, which could have been spent elsewhere if it had been a smaller game in the first place that didn't need to be split. So that was a, that was a nuisance. Um, it wasn't a good thing. But there was no way we, when we looked at what we were going to do and, and, and what the game was going to be, I mean, there was no way we could get through it without, without splitting, you know, probably in the same way that, that Double Fine had done. Uh, even though they had a lot more money than us because the thing was i mean we we you know we got something like it was like seven hundred and eighty one thousand dollars or something like that from the kickstarter which which sounds like quite a large number, mm. amount of money actually it's not because because it was dollars um and then there's there was kickstarter take their five percent amazon take their chunk for the processing the payments uh there's there's a bunch of problems moving the money back from the from the states like a lot of people we over promised on the on the um the rewards you know and 
and some of them some of the physical rewards you know like the book i can see on your shelf over there uh, <laughs> some of those things were projects i mean they they were projects in themselves you know you know if you say you're going to make a history of broken sword art book it's, that's not a trivial thing you know that's that's a big project and, and costs a lot of money so in in the end those those rewards really ate you know they were they were eating into the budget the the, the 780 from one direction and you know that the tax man and the and the, mm. the fees were eating at it from another one so i mean it, it was a fraction of the amount of money we really needed so we were you know we were in quite a lot of trouble towards the end of that project you know there was there was truly nothing left it was it was running on fumes the whole thing so it, it was too close for comfort yeah I, I i can i can certainly imagine i mean because when, when i look at a kickstarter i mean my main focus is always the game itself but then as you mentioned all these extra rewards and uh, especially through physical like art books and everything they must cost a lot of money as you mm. mentioned and um I, I spoke yeah. to to robert holmes uh well, just before christmas who also had a kickstarter but he and jane jensen had a kickstarter for their game around the same time and what he told me is that they, they made, I think, three games, three kind of full feature-length ge- adventure games on just, was it $400,000? And, you know, they had some money that they put in themselves, which or 300000 which is just kind of crazy. Because at the time, I remember playing some of those games. I was like, oh, you can tell that there were corners cut here. But now I'm thinking, wow, it was actually incredible that they, that they made a game that was so good. And, um, mm. and like you said, that 781000 all this... Here again. So, uh, do, do you think that um, you made you guys made the right decision to make Broken Sword Five with Kickstarter, or knowing what you know now, if you'd known back then, do you think you would have uh, kind of different route, or is it still better than working with with THQ? <laughs> uh, anything's better than working with THQ. I, think. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, there were there were people in Revolution that didn't didn't like the Kickstarter and thought and thought that it was um not not the way to go i mean i really liked it because i I liked the fans and the relationship Mm. with the fans and um you know i I ran a little blog all the way through it um on on tumblr and and it was just great because every day i'd get questions from from real you know inner core fans that that they were what we were doing and and they were and the questions were great uh and there was there was some there's some technical things coming across as well. You know, like someone found out the, the they got the font that Broken Sword, the original Broken Sword had used, and they, and they found out the RGB values of the, uh, the 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 text lines for the different characters, so we could use them again in the new game. You know, yes. it was really good I stuff. Think, yes. <laughs> and I, I I really liked that relationship with the fans, and and, and I thought it was the most valuable thing ever, and and I still think that. Um, Money wise, we 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 had a lot of problems, and uh, you know we we fixed them by selling the rights to the the PlayStation Vita version and things like that, and that that was actually very important. Um, uh, you know, doing those kind of deals in the background. So, it, but it was it, you know we we got it slightly wrong in that we we bit off more than we could chew, and the game was too big, and all the rest of it. Um, you know, the other way would have been to go with a publisher, which is easier said than done, really, because they, mm. you know, these deals are not not easy to do. Adventure games are not cool with publishers unless you're looking at tiny, tiny amounts of money. You know, we, we needed millions of dollars, and and that's not easy to come up with. You know, if you just if you just say, oh, we're going to do, an, you know, we're going to do an adventure game, Mr. Publisher, 
can we have two million dollars? They 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 really aren't that excited about that, you know. If if you say, you know, oh Mr. Ubisoft, can I have a hundred million dollars to do a, a first person multiplayer sort of um halo thing, you know, they probably say, well, if it was three hundred million dollars, we you know you can do it because that's a little cost and we'd be excited about that. But you know, two million dollars—it's a funny number, isn't it? You know, why two, two million? It's, it's not a small amount, and it's not a big amount. You know, your game is kind of—it's—it's gonna—it's niche. You know, it's gonna—some people are gonna really love it, but it's not—it's not—it's not Halo sized. You know, it's mm. not—it's not Forza sized. It's not Minecraft in it. But then again, it's not—it's not a tiny indie game either. You know, it's—they they don't understand it, and they—it's—it's it's very difficult to go out there and. And, and get the same kind of thing as we got. So, you know, we, I mean, we, we scraped by, you know, we had the Kickstarter money, which got us going. And then we did little deals here and there to patch it all together with, with the rights for, you know, you, you can sell the rights to the Polish version. And, and, you know, that's that's a bit of money. And then you can do a, a Japanese Vita version. And that's a little bit of money, you know. So we worked it very hard from, a, you know, there was, there was quite a lot of commercial savvy going on to get us through it. Mm. But it was, it was, it was fairly difficult, the whole thing, you know. Well, it worked out well in the end because the game came out and overall it was pretty good. It got some uh, positive reviews. And uh, so it worked out well in the end, thankfully. Uh, and Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the story with most of the games, you know. In, in retrospect, they're, they're, <laughs> it was worth going for it. You know, at least the games are good, you know. The process of making them was was never easy, but you know, in the end, the games are good. So you know, I mean, that's all that people remember, of course. And and, and then you mentioned uh, that you, you really enjoyed dealing directly with the fans, and that you're also worried with backlash to Double Fine. Now, when you split the game Broken Sword into two, uh, what was the reaction of the fans in general? Was there a backlash, or did, were people understanding? Were uh, did I still enjoy? Because I, I personally don't remember any backlash myself. Uh, following the campaign but well look, i mean the way it generally worked thinking about it was uh you know say you've got 100 say you've got 100 people that, that are your backers uh five of them will you know when you say we're going to split the game and it's going to be a little bit later and you can have it one half and then another half or you can wait until march next year you know this is like december when it finally came out the first part so you know it, we were saying we're going to split it you can have you can play part one in December and part two in April, or you can wait till April till you play it all. You know, sorry, it's going to be a bit late, but it's going to be great nonetheless. Now, of your hundred backers, ninety of them won't say anything. <laughs> okay, they'll go, oh yeah, I'd, I've even, I've almost forgotten having backed this thing, but you know, when it comes, it comes. You know, you know I've got other things to be thinking about. Thank you. Uh, five people will say it's going to be brilliant go for it guys you know we're, we're so happy that you're still working on it we, you've got our total backing yeah brilliant another five will say you people have betrayed us you're you're evil you're, you know you're the worst people ever you're you're scoundrels you should be you should be they're the loudest the street, you know <laughs> and they are the loudest yeah they're 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 really loud those bottom five um, and, and so you have to deal with those 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 two extremes and, and but most people you know because you know we, you know we had the staff you know we, we had a very close relationship with the backers and the ones that are talking you know the, the five at the top and the five at the bottom you know who they are 
uh, <laughs> you know, because you, you've been talking to them for two years. So it's not always a great surprise, you know, when, when these things happen. <laughs> so the, predictably, the top five said what we expected. The bottom five, some of them were really upset. But, you know, even then, because I've got the emails, uh, you know, one guy who was, who was really, really very angry about it all. You know, back a couple of months later, when he got the final game, he was writing his, writing his fan letters saying, this is just beyond my wildest dreams. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It's... And I'm thinking, yeah, I've got your other email from, from <laughs> November, you know. <laughs> Compare and contrast. Yeah. At least you're happy now. You know, that's good. And at the end of the day, is it really it's, a huge deal? Goes, it's, yeah. yeah. But again, what I you know, to say to you know, the fans and all, is it really a huge deal if you have to split the game or wait a little bit longer for the game to be better i mean we remember what happened you know take cyberpunk for example or other games that were rushed out yeah i mean yeah i mean the thing the thing the thing we were aware of was that we had to deliver a good game and that you know you you might go through a bit of pain in the meantime from people Mm. who are upset but if the game's going to be okay at the end then then it will be okay in the end now if you if you deliver a game that's really bad in some way or flawed in some way horribly bugged or whatever you know then you're in trouble because you start because that that 90 people in the middle start to also join in if they're not happy you know then then and then you know you've done this very publicly what are your options going forward after that if you screw a game up what comes next you know it's almost too bad to think about Mm. so we we were always very conscious that we that we that we we needed not to screw the whole thing up ultimately you know and we didn't, you know, we delivered everything we said we were going to do in the end. So, and that's all that mattered. Yeah, well, we were always very conscious of that we had to deliver a good game. We, you know, well, we just had to deliver a good game, uh, whatever happened. Well, that you did, thankfully. Um, now, I don't want to keep you too long, but just, just out of curiosity, because Revolution last year or two years ago now released the sequel to Beneath the Steel Sky, Beyond the Steel Sky. Um, I know you worked. You mentioned that you worked uh, a lot on the first one, Beneath the Steel Sky. Uh, did did you work at all on Beyond the Steel Sky, or collaborate on it, or have you had a chance to play the game yourself? I yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it actually started popping up. I mean, Steel Sky Two first first appeared, of course, as a as a Kickstarter mm, thing. On I remember, five, <laughs> which was which was really very bad judgment on on our behalf. I think we we added it when we were we were so tired we didn't know what we were talking about um <laughs> with that with that campaign it came in as one of the rewards it it was such a that was probably the stupidest thing we did on the whole thing to be honest because because it, it, it as much as anything it didn't make any sense what we were saying so you know thankfully we didn't hit that that million dollars whatever it was and have, have to actually commit to it but <laughs> but that was the first that i mean that was the first talk of, of steel sky 2 that that you know the actual idea of it rumbled on for the next two or three years, and there were designs going backwards and forwards, and you know all the way through, even even through Broken Sword Five, Charles and I were talking about what that design might be, and this this rumbled on for two or three more years after Broken Sword Five, and then eventually it started to it because Revolution tried to it tried to find something slightly different to do that would be smaller and and not as scary as broken sword five had been and, and we tried to find that idea for two or three years and didn't find it having tried two or three different things and that, at that point 
broken uh, steel sky two starts to come more seriously on the uh, on the radar and when uh, and i worked on those early designs um quite a lot and when it when it finally started to go into pre-production uh I, you know i was i was still kind of shell-shocked from broken sword five in a way and i and i thought that the same thing was going to happen again it I didn't like the look of it, you know. I I I thought it was going to be a, a bad experience, and and that and that some of the people working on the design weren't weren't respecting the the old game enough. And there was there were too there were too many negatives for me to feel I could I could go into that process again and have to be there for the next three years because and, and it did it did indeed overrun and it was it was too big again, <laughs> and it nearly killed them again, you know. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be, I believe. And just looking at the timeline suggests that it must have been like that. You know, I've not questioned Charles in great detail about, detail about Beyond the Steel Sky, but I, I know what it was like from, from the amount of time it took, you know. It, it must have been a nightmare, and I'm sure it was. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, the, the, what I'm trying to say is, you know, going into Broken Sword 5, there was, there was a lot of energy and enthusiasm, and I was totally up for it. By the end of it, we were pretty knackered, you know. Uh, if if I thought at the, at the beginning of Beyond the Steel Sky production, you know, if I didn't have that kind of enthusiasm, then there was no way I was going to get to the end. So, you know, I thought it was better not not to be involved, which was very sad for me because I'd spent mm. all the time from Steel Sky One trying to get a sequel off the ground, you know. So to walk away was mm. was quite quite a bad thing for me. But you know, that, that's what I decided to do. Oh, it's uh, it's real shame because after you worked on Benita, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed in the end Beyond the Steel Sky. I still mm. think Benita's better. Think, it, but I think Beyond turned out really good, really well um, in the end. But uh, but yeah, mm. it is a shame that you you weren't involved. But I think I, you know many of us can certainly understand if you don't have that same motivation at the beginning. Um, and uh, and have you played the game at all yourself? Um, I yeah we 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 just sent me a Steam code so we 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 played it a bit um, we played it for like an hour or so and I couldn't get in to the city we were still... <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of thought that was that that was I mean it was not not a it was not a great bit of design because one of the things that we we established in the early days of revolution was you know <laughs> if you look at lure it starts in it starts in one location and you know you escape from that first location a prison cell and then you've got four further rooms and you escape from them and you're in the city you know you you introduce mm. people nice and slowly to the gameplay uh steel sky did a similar thing uh, beyond the steel sky opens in quite a large area and, and we got lost and couldn't figure our way through it so <laughs> that was kind of i was kind of as you know I, I'm going to have to needle Charles about that because it's it's one of his rules as well. So I'm not sure why he did that. But from what I from what I hear from other people who persevere and, and finish the thing, that it's actually not a bad game. So you it know. gets better. Yeah, I think the for me the worst part was at the beginning, but it does get better. Um, yeah, after, yeah. Once you That's get into the say, city, yeah. um, and I know some people yeah. still preferred like the look at people saying, "Oh, there's the pixel art look," but I can understand that Revolution has to. Uh, make a game nowadays that will sell uh, quite a bit. So I mean, I think it's uh, it turned out really well. I think, but 
Um, but again, mm. it would have been nice if uh, you had been in- involved. Would you work in another game again uh, with Revolution, whether it's another Broken Sword game or another big game like it, do you think? Or uh, would you just prefer on small? Because I know you are working, I believe you are working on a game uh, of Obsidian Hellscape. Um, but w- would you be yeah. interested in working another big game after your experiences? Uh, uh, it depends on the circumstances. I- I'm certainly interested in working on another game with Charles. I mean, we're, even now we're swapping designs around for, for smaller things. Uh, from okay. A, from a, in, in a way, we're just, we're, you know, I'm interested in doing certain types of things and, and Charles is interested in, in doing, you know, he's got uh, uh, this idea for an, an Egyptian-based hier- hieroglyph game. And that, oh. that was bubbling away. That was bubbling away before Broken Sword. Um, in fact, that Broken Sword actually took the place of what that game was going to be. So this idea has been, I mean, it's literally been bubbling around since 1993 or something. Oh, wow. Um, so we recently started We recently started talking about that. Now, probably it will go nowhere, but if it, you know, if it was a nice small thing and me and Charles were doing it, uh, I would love to do it. Uh, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Uh, as to a big game, I don't know. It, it depends exactly what it was and, you know, how it was going to be, you know, who was working on it, um, where the where the funding was coming from, if if it was if it was going to be a pleasant experience or or a, a much too difficult experience, you know, uh, it's a very hypothetical question. <laughs> it just of depends. Is, is the answer, I guess. No, that's good. So if theoretically, yeah. if theoretically another broken sword, if yeah, Charles yeah. came and said, "Hey, Tony, I'm interested in working yeah, another yeah. broken sword six. Would you be interested?" Uh, well, I guess your answer would be it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, but it depends. Is, is the is the is the is the is the better answer? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, well, I'm. I say, I, I mean, I'm working on on my own little uh, very quirky shmup game, um, which which hopefully I'll finish this year. Uh, as, as a little confidence boost, as much as anything. Um, yeah, just so working that- on my own thing and putting putting my crazy ideas into it and and you know i, I quite like the shooting up genre because it's it's quite unsullied by by big commercial forces you know it's it's a nice little niche genre a, a lot of people really like it everyone else ignores it. it it generally doesn't get messed around with so um it, it kind of ticked a few boxes for me and i got quite interested in it and i, I could suddenly see how the sequel to obsidian which i've been trying to do for well 30 odd years i suppose uh, I, I could see how, if if I pitched my uh, my shmup game as as what happened after the after the first game, and that you escape from the space station that's blowing up, uh, <laughs> flying through space, shooting things, kind of fits. <laughs> if you really stretch your imagination, it kind it kind of fits the bill, you know. So, um, and I also have some other ideas for 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 fighting robots and and stuff, and and then pulling the bit the broken bits apart and building new ones that work for you and that's that's a slightly more sophisticated idea which i which i, I might put into the sequel of this game if it does okay so there's, okay. there's kind of a lineage now that i understand and and i'm, I'm quite interested in that so if, if that does okay then I'll, I'll keep going in that direction um but i wouldn't mind doing something in adventures as well i mean the the interesting thing about the game at the moment is because you've got community and you've got steam and you and you know you you can do and you've got itch.io and stuff and, and twitch to to show people the game and all these things 
you know, I quite like the idea of, of doing a really small adventure and, and seeing seeing if people like it, you know. So I might at some point go go back into point and click. But I, but I would do it 2D, you know. I'd do it quite quite <laughs> retro, quite small. Um, but or try and get that quality of, of you know, all the things, the richness that Broken Sword has and mm. Steel Sky have. I'd like to try and get that into you know a tiny little game with lots going on in it that that would be my approach so i'd like to i'd like to try that out as well so maybe that will be next year no well i think uh, that would be music to many people's ears 2d retro point and click adventure game <laughs> none of this 3d business yeah. and direct control but <laughs> i mean i don't i don't mind that but um uh, but but yeah, no, I think we'd all be delighted. Um, and and yes, yeah, so the game that you're working on right now is Obsidian Hellscape, a shmup. Uh, do you have, uh, so yeah. th- you said on your website that you're on track for a 2022 release. Is, still, is this still the case? Uh, or... Well, you know, as, <laughs> as, a, as a game developer, you, you can't believe anything I say <laughs> on, in, in, in terms of when a game might come out. But uh, it could be end of this year. Yeah, it could be later this year. Could be. Oh well, could I'd be. love to it's have. It's actually pretty. I mean, it doesn't. It 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 it's got a lot of components. I'm just. Doing, it doesn't have levels. You know, you can't say play level one and 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 go. Oh, that's good or bad. But what it's got is all of the components. I'm just programming components one after another. You know, this ship, that ship, this gun, that gun. You know, uh, this effect. I've got all those things separately. So it's a case of at some point stopping making these features and putting them all together into some levels and then see what the actual game's like um so yeah when this book's out of the way uh, then i'll go back to that and, uh, and see where it's at obsidian's hellscape cool uh i'd love to have you back on for for that uh discuss that but for, first of all regarding your book then so do you have uh, speaking of timelines uh, which uh, the book is about timeline of revolution is there any timeline for the release of the book or do you know uh if you're going to go speaking uh, about kickstarter uh, if you're going to go maybe that route or mm, the traditional publishing yeah. way or i i think well i'm i'm in that first draft now so i've got the thing finished i'm going through it again right at this very moment um fleshing it out putting in because i've got all these interviews now with charles so he he's got a lot of input uh charles and lauren have got a lot uh, said a lot of things that are interesting so they what they said needs to be worked in um and then there's another guy uh who's who's um a, a big brown sword fan who's who's offered to help me edit it again so that's martin mulrooney and, and uh he he's interviewed charles and, and myself as well um but he's he's got some 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 skill at editing apparently so he's going to help me do further edit um and then it's all the world of of um printing and and typesetting and indesign and all, all that stuff that i have to get my head around and then i think i'll go i mean the plan is to go kickstarter um now that might be that might be very foolish i don't know <laughs> uh, and it's slightly it's slightly scary to be honest this kickstarter because obviously the thing about kickstarter is you, you don't want to fail you know <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do it and not get the amount of money you need mm. but, but then all i'd be trying to all i need to cover is the printing costs so it, it might be the way to go i mean there, there are there are a lot of logistical problems with that partly because of I mean, Brexit doesn't help because sending mm. sending things to Europe now is a lot more complicated than it used to be. So there's those kind of things to weigh up. Um, 
But come to Ireland. Hand, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I would I'd be very happy to come and live in Ireland. If, if you can if you can sort me a passport, we'll be we'll be there. Uh, oh well do what we can or right. even to visit, do your printing in Ireland and <laughs> Yeah, well, play, you know, children. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you. But uh, um, yeah, uh, so th there's a lot of difficulties. But then the, the upside for a Kickstarter is that I obviously still know and and talk to a lot of the fan base, and uh, so I'm not like it's not like I've written some strange novel and I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to sell it. Um, you know. To a completely blank world that's never heard of anything to do with it uh you know in, in theory i i can drum up a bit of a bit of publicity for uh, a book that that features revolution so i'm thinking kickstarter but it could change still oh well well we shall see i look forward to mm. reading it um and do, do you plan on uh having the book available on ebooks as well like kindles or anything like that or just paperback uh, the the plan is to do well. I think the Kickstarter would be a you know like a a PDF at the bottom, then a PDF and an audio an audio book version of it, and then then a hardback. Uh, you know, I want to do it really in in that revolution in that revolution way of thinking. Do a really good product. You know, nothing nothing. I don't want to do a crummy paperback mm. at all. Yeah, I want to do a really high quality um, hardback with really nice because there's going to be a lot. There's going to be like 100 pages of photographs of stuff. Oh wow! You know, documents and and the team and people and and game boxes and all the rest of it. So um, it wants to be really high quality. So I need to sort that out. But uh, you know, so there'd be PDF, PDF audio book, uh, a, a a a numbered and signed by me hardback and then maybe maybe a couple of hundred where where charles has signed it and dave has signed it and steve Ince has signed it and anybody who wants to come and sign it can 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 go on the super amazing top top level one you know wow uh, and so it'd be a real collector's thing and and, and the same you know that that version of the book i mean maybe maybe at some point in the future a publisher will pick it up and and say let's let's do a paperback or or a different version of it you know but the uh, the point will be that the one that I do, there'll be I don't know, there'll be a few hundred of them or whatever, and and there'll never be any more of those ones, you know. So in, in that sense, it'll be a collector's item. Cool. Well, I I hope to could be able to collect one of those. Uh, I know many people would be very interested, I believe, and uh, um, right, we shall see. I I do think so. Uh, where where can people find out more information about uh, well anything that you're doing and a book in particular? Is there a website or an email uh, or? I I have Tony Warren of IO, which is which is very basic, but there is a there is a little bit of information on there, and uh, I think there's a you can put your email address into a box, and uh, it, there's a list slowly, very slowly, a list growing. Where you know when I finally decide what's happening, I'll 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 talk about it on the email. So. Um, yeah, if people are really keen, then then sign up for that, and they'll they'll get some get some info eventually. In fact, Perfect. quite soon because uh, it's nearly done. <laughs> Perfect. Well, people can uh, check the link. I'll uh, put the link in the show notes, and people can check the link directly and sign up for updates. Right. I'm sure people will be very interested. 
Um, so, well, thank you for that, Tony. Now, I really don't want to keep you, kept you too long uh, already. Um, but uh, now, first of all, I hope to, to speak to you again. Maybe I can go to, to York or, or Hull now that we can travel again. And uh, yeah. to speak, that would be great. Have a coffee. Maybe if Steve Ince wants to join us, I would be delighted um, as sure well. Would be, yeah. um, but just be before we finish, um, that and I, I feel like you know, you know, this podcast we very we don't ever really talk about politics or world events. We try and keep things you know positive and about games. But I think what's happening right now with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I feel that. It's very, you know, we can't ignore this, what's happening. It's an absolute travesty. And I believe that you have some direct connections with Ukraine as well. You've been there a few times, I believe. So I just wanted to ask mm. you if you wanted to talk before we finish um, about Ukraine. So now, first of all, if people don't want to hear, you know, if it's too upsetting, just find it, you know, now. But I do think it is important to talk about. But what I would like to ask you about is uh, about culture and the people in Ukraine, what they are like, um, and their identity, if you will, because that is what it, you know, what they're trying to, to erode basically. And, um, mm. based on just, well, one or two, you know, people at the top as always, and it's always, um, ordinary people suffering. Um, so again, this is no way ordinary Russians, but, um, but yeah, just from your experience, uh, what is your what has your experience been like in Ukraine? So you've traveled, you've been there a few times, have you? Yeah, well, my wife is Ukrainian, so uh, okay, that's, that's my connection with Ukraine. Um, and she worked in Broken Sword Five, of course. Um, Tanya, yes. and she drew, she drew all the uh, the icons for the for the inventory. So people will people will mm, be she's very talented. Work. She's working on adventure games. Yeah, she she's she's still working adventure games. Um, Is it you know, foolish backgrounds and foolish UI. mortals? I believe all sorts of things. Foolish mortals. Yeah, yeah. She drew all the backgrounds for that, and that that's coming out fairly soon, I think. This um, year, I think. Yeah. So that's 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 yeah yeah. It's looking pretty good. So um, so that's my connection with with U Ukraine, and uh, obviously I've been over there. Uh, a, a great many times and 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 a Kiev and uh Lviv pretty well so uh, you know we were there in November uh, and uh, it's astonishing to think that the you know, people we were talking with in bars and and places that we were and that and now just been being shelled by by all this crazy stuff you know it's, it's just astonishing you know people you know the internet is still there so we can still talk to people just the same as we used to do but they're not they're not living their lives anymore they're they're hiding in stairwells you know from from russian shells you know and, and it's it's like it's like it was happening to you or, or me mm. in, in 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 any any other european country you know ukraine is not it's not it's not a strange place it's a, it's a european a very a very ordinary european country and the people are the same as as we are you know it's um you know they're smart and and funny and and play video games and develop video games you know there's, there's yes. a lot of developers in ukraine they're they're, they're very creative people and, and, very, and very smart people you know exactly the same as us and uh that this can be happening now is, is it's just astonishing and, and no one saw it even the day before no, no one believed it no, was going to happen that that's because when i was watching the news just a few days before the the invasion 
and I saw that uh, people in Kiev, people in Ukraine, that they were going to the opera, they were going to the theater, they were have, living normal lives. Mm-hmm. And people didn't seem mm-hmm. to be that concerned. They were saying, oh, this is always the way that we're always getting threatened. And there is, you know, in the mm-hmm. East as well. That um, And mm-hmm. I was reading that uh, people didn't have, you know, sandbanks or, you know, whatever they weren't preparing uh, for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that was your experience that you're saying that people just didn't expect it. Were they cut by surprise, uh, the people you've spoken to in Ukraine? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if you've no connection with Ukraine, then you wouldn't ever be aware of it. But in, mm. within Ukraine, there's there's always this threat. And the, the eastern side of Ukraine was annexed by Russia back in 2014. When the because uh, Ukraine used to be very like very much like Belarus, Belarus is now. And mm. that there's a puppet Kremlin government installed there doing whatever it wants to do and, uh, you know, uh, not representing the people, representing Mr. Putin um, and, and doing what they want. Now, in, in Ukraine, it was the same situation. And that, and that came to an end in 2014 when they had a kind of mini revolution and, and kicked the Russians out. Uh, but on the on the. In the midst of all that, the Russians took a big slice of the east and uh, Crimea as well, because it was a big military deep sea port at Crimea, so it was very important to them strategically. So that's why they annexed that that mm. bit on on the eastern side. Now, there's always been fighting there; it's never gone away. So, and you know, from time to time, it gets worse or it gets less, or they build up a load of troops and it looks like it's going to be something else, and then they withdraw it again. But this has been going on since 2014, so. You know, you, you say to you say to Ukrainians, "What's what's happening?" You know, Putin's looking dangerous, and they, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we've, we've heard it all before," mm. uh, and and they have. It's it's been constant all, all that time. You know, he's he, Putin plays with people's emotions. You know, he, he and that's that's what he does, and uh, he's been threatening them for for so long that it, it didn't seem like it was it, it was just more bluff. You know, uh, designed to freak people out. So even even the night before the invasion, you know, I was talking to my friend in uh, in in Kiev, who's a, a really ace unity programmer, um, helps me out a lot. And he was he was walking around outside, and, and you know there were Russian jets going over, and he was videoing, he was taking Instagrams of them, and, and and laughing about it. You know, you know, the next morning it was a, it was it was a full scale invasion. You know, <laughs> and and people were fleeing fleeing the place and getting as far away as they could. So uh, yeah, it's just it just defies defies belief really and it, it you know it's not a far away place it's 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 no. two and a half hour flight from from the uk it's it's just across it's just across the way you know it's it's like spain or germany mm. or you know it's 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 the same as us and and russia is attacking it right now it's uh it, it it's it's just hard to take in you know yeah for just no earthly reason whatsoever i mean war is always bad but this just seems like no logical mm. reason whatsoever. When I was in Berlin, I think I was told that Ukraine was 900 kilometers away or miles away. And again, there were huge protests um, and there, but I think it took a lot of people by surprise, as, as you said. Um, now, again, before we finish, again, mm. I want to talk about the Ukrainian people, because one thing that I think has impressed people, again, at the time of recording, things change very, very quickly. And, uh, I think President uh, Zelensky, I think his his name is, uh, that he has, I mean, I was fully expecting him to evacuate, which would be the probably normal thing because they're mm. coming after him. They got, and again, God knows what has happened by the time this episode goes up. Hopefully 
nothing, but and he stayed there and he's mm. with the people. He is still saying he's refused to be mm. to leave. And then he, normally Ukrainian mm. people, there are many videos of them uh, confronting the Russian tanks and the Russian soldiers and they're unarmed and elderly people, younger people. Uh, in your experience, um, have Ukrainians, you know, they seem to be very proud people of their nationality mm. and they seem to be very brave as well. What is your experience speaking with Ukrainian people, you know, even before this invasion? Well, I mean, the main thing about Ukraine is, uh, and I think Mr. Putin has not taken this on board, is, is that they really see themselves as European, uh, mm. not, not Russian. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being Russian, but mm. the, you know, it is a different. It's a it's a very different country, and and the main problem with it is the is the leadership. You know, yes, what makes Russia itself different from Ukraine is is the leadership, uh, and and having escaped from that leadership, you, you know, you, Ukraine looked looked westward towards towards Europe, uh, and what happened after 2014 was that the you know the European Union opened its borders up, and people in Ukraine were able to travel, and and so of the last eight years or so you know ukrainians by the million have, have, have traveled throughout you know western europe and and other places and they've seen how 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 other countries operate and, and taken these ideas on board for themselves uh you know and, and none of our countries are perfect but you, mm. you know we have we have some some democracy and and uh you know a modern a modern European lifestyle uh, and people want that for themselves in Ukraine you know and and, and young people in particular have, have traveled and gone back to Ukraine and, and, and embraced the ideas that they've seen uh, and, and and helped Ukraine you know install those ideas within Ukraine and, and Ukraine itself has, has moved on from from its it's moved on even further from its Soviet past you know so I, I think Putin's misjudgment is that he really fought uh, he he would roll the tanks in, and everyone would say, "Okay, fair enough." You know, um, we'll we'll go back to how we were, and 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 roll back the uh, the clock to to some previous time of the USSR, and and have everything carry on as it was. Uh, and it's been it's been a massive misjudgment because the, the Ukrainians, as we see, they they're, they're not going to stand for it. You know, they're they're going they're going to they're going to fight back. Uh, so as it as it stands at the moment, uh, you know. Uh, he, he can't win this war so what is he doing now you know he's, he's he's piling in the bombs today but where's it going you know it's 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 a disaster for for russia yeah and again at the time of recording uh they i mean again things could change very very quickly um but i think just the whole world mm. has uh, if anything he has united the world against him um yeah. and even it doesn't yeah, seem yeah. to get any support in russia with the ordinary people or even with his own generals, they seem to be kind of against it as well, but everyone seems to be scared of him, that he seems to be the problem. Um, but uh, but no, it is absolutely, it's an absolute travesty what is happening. Uh, like any conflict, you know, any mm. conflict, it, it is a travesty. And I know that people say, well, you know, why don't we react the same for this name conflict? And I can understand them. Um, but I think we should react like this for every mm. conflict, um, you know, every, any, any time. But this just seems so that I think there, this will have global uh, uh, impact. But look, I, I still remain maybe more in hope than expectation that this can result, be resolved uh, soon. But yeah, they say, what is Putin's game plan now? You know, like even if he does take Kiev and that 
what then? <laughs> because even some of the Russians yeah, I mean, don't it, seem to know where they're going. They, they, they really don't know know where they're going. It seems. I mean, they, they've been tricked a lot of them, I think, into thinking mm. it was some some training exercise. Yeah. Um, or to be welcomed uh, with so open I, arms I think, and. Yeah, all this, all those things. So I mean, none of that's working out for them at all. Um, how does it resolve? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Russia needs to do something about the the, the number one problem, which is the, the one man at the top. You know. Indeed. Uh, that that that's probably the way. That's probably the way to fix it, but um, presumably not an easy job. Uh, no, um, because Ru Russia's you know, you all see how he sits at a long table. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's Which... not really. Uh, he's not exactly going going down to McDonald's on the lunchtime, is he? So um, no, he's no, not an easy man to to get hold of, and he wants to depose him. But uh, mm. uh, probably that's the way to do it. Uh, and and I think if things get bad enough within Russia, then maybe maybe that's the way it will go, and they'll they'll change the leadership. Um, I think everyone would like to see that. Well, most definitely. And I suppose the important question um, is, do, do you know how people... Now, I would include links as well at the uh, bottom for people who can donate to different, uh, I don't know, charities and pl places that are helping the Ukrainian people. Uh, is there anything, because I think what many people might feel is helplessness. Is there anything that you would say to people that people can do to help um, the Ukrainian people? Is there anything that you can think of? to support them uh, well i mean in the uk we have we have uh, plenty of problems with our politicians <laughs> and, um uh, uh, you know they're they're dragging their feet over over visas and things like that so i mean that it, i mean i don't know how we complain to to our mps about it or, or whatever but um you know it'd be nice to see some movement from the from the uk government um on a, on a state level uh, for individuals you, you know i mean where, where there's a there's a charity drop here tomorrow in in, in hall where we're going, we're going to take food and clothes and stuff and uh, you know that 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 sounds like a very worthwhile thing for people coming over the border into poland uh with, with virtually nothing um also i mean there, there are you know make sure you're not being scammed but there are lots of charities mm. um taking donations and, and and also the ukrainian government i think they have um um, various places you can put money directly into into military type uh, assistance funds so you know whatever whatever people think is is the right thing for them you know there's a way to do it not, not everyone wants to give money to to buy arms you know even though even though they need it um i mean i'm quite happy to go that way but uh, you know the the other at the other end there's 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 real provisions for people for refugees so you know you, you can pick a point you want to you want to help mm. there's, there's lots of things out there and lots of scams as well so be be careful be aware um you know find the find the official ones yeah be careful but um there's, there's lots of ways to donate you know yeah no i think it really hit home when you know you mentioned game developers like frogwares for example they're in based in ukraine and other yeah, developers yeah. as well and they've and some developers have, have actually said uh, something like, uh, you know, the development on our game will be affected. Uh, please accept our apologies. And I'm like, bloody hell. Um, I think, you know, right now, you know, we can understand that ga game is not important. But, um, and and the, mm. the final thing that I will ask as well, because I read on Twitter from one game developer who said that they didn't feel like working on their game at the moment with what was going on, um, that they didn't feel like it was, you know, worth it or important, but what, what would you say 
to that? Um, you know, what, what would you say to people who might be feeling like that now? Because I have my own thoughts, but just as a game developer, as a writer yourself and programmer, um, is there anything? Uh, well, you, you know, the, the freedom to write games and, and play games or whatever it is that you're interested in is, is, is what it's all about, really, isn't it? Um, mm. So, uh, I mean... It's it's difficult to 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 work properly at the moment. It is for us anyway because we're constantly watching the news and, and mm. hoping for good news and and fearing bad news. And you know, it's it's easy to get into a loop where you're checking these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're 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 trying to do some work because um, it, it's well, for one thing, it's a distraction from absolutely from all the all the all the other news. You know, so uh, and, you know, everyone wants to live and do what they want to do um in freedom don't they and that's 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 what the fight is about really so um you know i, I don't i don't feel guilty about doing some work because mm. it's because it's it's what ukrainians want to do you know they yeah. want to be able to do the same and not and not be cowering in a, in a stairwell because because someone's bombing them so you know i mean these things affect different people in different ways but that that's that's how we're that's how we're taking it here mm. Yeah. Hopefully soon we'll, we'll get Hopefully back we, will. I mean, yeah, yeah. we were we were we had plans to visit Kiev in spring and that's that's looking <laughs> that's looking unlikely now. But um maybe maybe this year, if everything went amazingly well, maybe maybe we'd get back there this year. Uh, that's that's our hope still. Um, well with the way the crossed. with the way the world has gone, anything could happen, but as you say, hopefully uh things will change and Good. um and again what what i would say is that again to any people working in entertainment in games or i don't know writing books or anything is don't don't underestimate the value because you know it was games and books entertainment that helped get me through covid for example and i think as you said yeah, it's a yeah. distraction for us to read the books to play the games so i would say what people like you do is definitely very very worthwhile and definitely extremely helpful uh, for people like me who play your games and read your books. So um, absolutely, mm. it's definitely great value uh, to that. But um, but I said links yeah. to two charities uh, that are not scams <laughs> if people wish to donate. But as you mentioned, there are different ways people can help. And definitely our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine as well. And, um, and mm. yes, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, well, thank you, Tony, for speaking to me. I really, really appreciate it. It's always great to chat to you and, uh, hope this inspires yes, you to you do, do something else. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully we can meet yeah, in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'd be great. That'd uh, be really good. Yeah. I, I think have I, to do that, yeah. uh, it would be great to, to meet you and Steve Ince, if, if he's around and anyone else there, because, um, now that we can travel again after the last two years being stuck yeah. in our homes and yeah, um yeah. and and yeah so well we we will give more information about your book and about your new game as well and hope to have you on again in future brilliant i'd absolutely love it so thank you very much tony thank you so that was my interview with tony warner a huge huge thank you to tony for agreeing to speak to me again um, I had a lovely time chatting with him again, and hopefully we can meet up sometime now that we can travel again. Um, but uh, yeah, you can uh, keep uh, we'll keep you posted about any news about his potential Kickstarter and about the book and about his game. 
There's also a link down in the show notes where you can subscribe to his mailing list and uh, keep abreast of what's happening as well. And I look forward to reading it. I'm sure there will be some fascinating uh, insights, certainly based on this interview. And I look forward to reading it and finding out more about his book. So uh, you can check it out. Um, Also, as uh, promised at the intro, there are links to different ways to so people can help the people in Ukraine. Um, and it should tell you exactly what the links and what these charities will do. And I've also included some links of uh, game developers, adventure games and otherwise uh, from Ukraine as well that you can help them. You can buy their games. You can as I contact them. It mightn't be much, but uh, just something, some ways that we can help as well. Um, so yeah, so that is it for this week's episode. Uh, I am not sure when Thomas, Laura, myself will be able to meet up again because the three of us are, I think, quite busy for various reasons. Uh, but we will be uploading interviews at least, and we'll be back soon, the three of us, uh, to talk about the latest games that we've been playing. So, uh, thank you again to everyone, uh, who's been listening. And uh, we'll chat to you then. So take care, everyone. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you